you for listening to this message from the North Gate. Talk in, in all seriousness about being marked by the Lord. I heard Bill Johnson years ago say something, and uh, I've heard a thousand preachers steal it since then. <laughs> of course, if you're going to steal, might as well be Bill Johnson, I guess. So he says something uh, with the, and, and no pun intended, but he literally talked about making history with God, and it, it literally marked me. Um, but he says, make history with God, and he'll make history with you. How many of you have ever heard that before? Probably Bill Johnson, someone else stole you, heard it through a third party. Probably is what that was. But make history with God, and he'll make history with you. Amen? That's pretty self-explanatory. What are we doing in this moment since Valentine's Day this year? We're making history. What do I mean? Every single time you pray, you're you're getting another notch in the belt. You're not accomplishing things. You're literally just building relationship with him. And as you do, sometimes these moments just come in and happen. How many of you experience those moments? Raise your hand. And he just comes in sometimes and your life has changed. You know, we, we talk about, pastor talks about around here, having a born again, again experience. I mean, you know what I'm talking about? I had that, that first born again thing where I got delivered from drugs and all that stuff. Then I got born again, again, where I got delivered from my insecurities to another degree. And then I realized I wasn't fully over them as much as I thought. So then I got born again, 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 you know what I'm saying? And these moments continue to happen and they accumulate and they literally mark you. So I want to talk about these moments because I believe we're in the hour of visitation and I don't believe necessarily th- this is not the end. This is just everything we've done at this m- moment, BB, I believe is just preparation for what we're starting to step into now. So don't think when you come down here and you're walking, this is what it's going to be like the rest of life. No, this is just the beginning of you showing up for the walk. And it's going to keep getting more glorious, more glorious, more glorious. There's something, man, when people think they're at their destination, they just take their hands off the wheel. I worked with homeless for several years at my other job. And one of the things I noticed is when I talked to them, you know, about getting work, no one wants to hire them. Like, I have three felonies. I got out of jail two months ago. I don't have a car. So all these people are hiding in Streetsboro, but the housing program I'm in is in Kent. How am I going to get there? Boss don't go to Streetsboro. Like, wow, that's a lot of problems. So let's start with square one. What's that? How do we get your car? Well, I don't have my license. How do we get your license? I need $500 for the reinstatement fee. Okay, how do we get $500? I guess I'm going to have to get a job somewhere I could walk or take the bus. That's a good start. But you know what the problem is a lot of times? Guess who's hiring in that, in that parameter of employment? A lot of places you don't want to work at. McDonald's. 17 bucks an hour now, by the way. I just saw a sign. Praise Jesus. Who would have thought you made that much at McDonald's? But when, I would, when, you, when you say that to a man, a grown man that's had a career, that's now going through bad stuff, they sink in and they give up. You know what I used to always tell them? What are you getting depressed about? Did I say everything you're going to accomplish your life is in McDonald's? No. 
what what's the game plan? I just need enough money to get my license back. That's all you're there for. And what I noticed is when I thought what they were in or what they were getting ready to step into was the end, they always had this like overwhelmed depression, I give up, I'm hopeless feeling. But whenever I said, no, what you're in now is just the, the next step. It's just like Apostle Aaron would say, it's just the next dot to get you to the next dot. Then they'd say, okay, I could do this. Complete shift in atmosphere. I do it all the time. Complete shift in attitude. I'm so churchy. I, I'm saying atmosphere, every other word to church. I'm at complete shift of attitude. <laughs> so do you get what I'm saying? And so literally walking here and taking the time. Listen, it's amazing because anytime you go to meet God, it's, it's worth your time. Even when you don't feel it, guys. This is what I'm saying. It's like there's moments I come down here and it's amazing. I feel angels around the room. I'm like, man, I wish Armin was here. We talk about angels. Or maybe Jeremy do his letter thing and I'd be getting to that. Come on. Where's my boys at? You know what I mean? There's moments like that. I'm like, I just want someone to share what I'm experiencing right now. And I'd probably ruin the prayer meeting because we're not, you know what I mean? I don't want to talk and ruin, but I'm just so excited. I can't, there's other times I come down here. I'm like, holy moly, God. But I've learned over the years not to question. I used to question whether I was saved in those moments. God, are you mad that I do something that I sin? And I would go right to the bucket list, the trash can. And I've, I've learned to overcome those. But you know what I'm overcoming now? In, in this time of, of taking extra time to come down here by, alone, I realize there's some thoughts in my world that have to get metanoid. You want to know what that is? I said for decades. Dude, if God shows up, I'll be here all freaking night. If he ain't in the room, I'm going home and going to bed. So guess what I just did? I just made seeking the Lord spectacular. When I come down here and I encounter the spectacular, I'll, I'll pay any price you want me to. But I come down here and you're not talking. Nope, I'm not showing up for the walk. Did he say to show up for the walk when everything was fun and spectacular? Or he just say show up for the walk. So in my thinking, <coughs> I still have some things in the metanoia. I still, I, I'm working through the process of repenting, but I've said that for so long. It's my automated default thinking. So as soon as I'm like, oh man, the presence are here, I'm out of here. I have to stop and say, no. Because seeking him's never been wrong. And he says, if we draw near to him, what will he do? Draw near to us. So even in those moments where I don't feel it, guess what? Is he still working? And Chris Fowleton uses this thing, it's amazing. One of the most profound moments in Adam and Eve's life, actually Adam, because Eve wasn't around yet, is in the silent moments. When God went silent at Adam, do you know what was going on? It says he put him to sleep so he could take his rib to create the one that he's the companion for him the rest of his time. Think about that. The most silent part of Adam's life is when God put him to sleep so he could take a piece of him and give him Eve. Give him his helpmate. Amen. All right. So making history with God, what happens when you get marked? How many of you think you've been marked in a room? Raise your hand. Well, I'm going to talk about that. We're going to tell some stories and we're, then we're going to maybe pray a little at the end. We'll get out of here. 
the first thing that happens when you get marked is you literally get marked. Literally. And I want to show you where this is in the Bible because it's, it's pretty cool scripture. Literally in the spirit realm, this is what happens sometimes when you get marked. So Kevin, are you with me? Let's get Ezekiel 9 up there. We'll, we'll go 1 through 4. There we go. Ezekiel 9. Now listen, Ezekiel is crazy. So if you're going to read some of this, you're like, what's going on? There's a lot going on. And I'm not going to talk about what's going on. And a lot of it is not good. But there's some really cool supernatural things in here. So if you want to study it out, feel free to do that. I'm not going to read all because I don't want to scare anybody. All right? Ezekiel 9.1. Then he called out in my hearing with a loud voice saying, let those who have charge over the city draw near each with a deadly weapon in his hand. Now, that's the hard part we're not going to talk about. We're going to pretend that's not in there. Just for, just for the sake of what I'm trying to teach you, not because it's not important. Go to verse 2. And suddenly six men came from the direction of the upper gate, which faces where? North. Each with this battle axe, uh-oh, in his hand. One man among them was clothed with linen and had a writer's inkhorn at his side. They went, in, they went in and stood beside the bronze altar. Now the glory of the Lord of Israel had gone up from the cherub, which is an angel, right? <clears throat> One of the four that hold the throne of God. So literally, if you read this, it's a crystal platform with the crystal throne, four living creatures underneath it with four wheels. And they literally pick up the throne and move it when they fly. So I'm saying, you guys could do some cool stuff in here. Now the glory of the Lord of God of Israel had gone from the cherub where it had been to the threshold of the temple. So it moved. It didn't disappear. It just moved to the temple. And he called to the man clothed, to the man clothed with linen, the one with the ink pen, who had the writer's inkhorn at his side. Verse four. And the Lord said to him, go through the midst of the city, through the midst of Jerusalem, and put a mark on the what? Foreheads of the men who sigh and cry over all the abominations that are done with. In other words, they were crying out and weeping in intercession. They literally, God sent an angel to go mark their foreheads when they're crying and weeping over a city. Now they're under the old covenant. They didn't have joy back then. If you read the rest of that, you'll know why. But we're not going to talk about that today, not because it's not important, not because it's what I want to hit on. I just wanted to show you that literally in the spirit home, baby, when you come down here with your kids and you're praying, just showing up for the walk. One of these times, you can't even see it, but there's an angel that just comes in and just, this is the one I can trust. And what happens in this story? You want to talk about Benny's benefits? The Benny's. Keep your hands off my Benny's. That's what Jen says. Changes come over. Keep your hands off my pennies. <laughs> Destruction's coming to an entire city because of sin. Guess what happened to those who had the mark? They were not given permission to touch anyone that had a mark. Book of Revelations, that happens again in chapter 7. There's 144,000 of them. So literally, there's a literal mark of God. You can't see it with your eyes but we see it here in scripture, right? So I wanted to show you that to show you that where we get marked in scripture, because you probably heard it, you know, mark me, Lord. We pray it, we yell it, 
But do you, you know, it's actually in the Bible. Amen? That's a good thing, right? All right. What else happens in these marky moments? How many of you have ever been praying in these moments and had an encounter and God begins to speak to you about your life? Raise your hand. He begins to invite you into something. How many of you have had that experience? You received an invitation. You received a prophetic word. When you get marked, many times in Scripture, when men of God got marked, they receive a promise. Adam and Eve, since the very beginning, got a commissioning. They got a promise right from the get-go. Did they not? They got blessed, go be fruitful. And they, but it was a conditional promise, right? What, could they, what were they not allowed to do? There's only one thing they weren't allowed to do. Eat from one stinking tree. You do whatever you want, just don't do this one thing. And they still failed. And they were perfect. The word promise in Hebrews 4, Pop just talked about Hebrews 4, right? Hebrews 4, the word promise is like in Strong's. If you want to study this, I know many of you probably won't, but here it is. 1860. It actually means to summons. So those moments when you begin to encounter God and he begins to tell you stuff, John, and he says, John, I'm calling you into this, or John, I want to give you this, or you begin to just see these things in your mind, guess what that is? It's a promise. It's a summonsing. Every promise of God. We call that an invitation, but it's actually, if you ever get a summons from the court, I have as a witness and on the other side, and jury duty, not, they all suck because if you don't respond, Jen went to throw her jury duty letter away a couple months back, and I was like, listen, they don't play around. I've been in the room, and they don't show up. They're like, bench wart. Freaking respond to it. Okay. You, you better go. Okay? You ain't going to be running from the cots like BB did last night at church when that guy showed up. Took off to the back door. Triggered him a little bit. <laughs> he didn't run. I'm just kidding. We just thought he was. It's part of Brad's church. A cop came in in uniform, and everyone, all of us Northgaters, got scared. <laughs> I still triggered. I haven't done nothing wrong in like 20 years. I was just like, I don't know. I've seen too many videos. <laughs> this word out of Hebrews is an invitation, it's a summonsing. It actually says this it's a promise which announces what is fitting which means the Lord announcing that you could come into confident faith rest is fitting for you. And it can mean an officially sanctioned promise, a legal promise from the throne of God saying, listen, I'm summonsing you to faith rest. I'm summonsing you. I'm calling you into faith rest. Some people see that. I see that as an invitation. I don't see it as an invitation because an invitation tells me it's cool if I don't show up. A summonsing says, I better get my tail there. There's going to be some consequences. I'm not trying to put the fear of the Lord in. What I'm saying is, why would you want to resist the summoning of the goodness of God? I know why you don't want to go to the court, but ain't that kind of court. This is a royal court. Well, your daddy's the judge. He's the king. Answer the call. Amen. But what's ironic is, this isn't the only type of promise God gives us in these moments. Because when he shows up to Abraham, he doesn't give any conditions to it. When he shows up to Jacob, 
Abraham's grandson and Isaac, he doesn't give any conditions to it. He said, I'm giving you the land I promised your fathers. He doesn't say, if you do this and you do ABC. Now you go to Deuteronomy 28, there's conditions. If you obey my voice and heed to my word, then I will do A, B, and C for you. That's a conditional promise. That is a summonsing. That is an invitation. But there's another kind of promise, maybe, that isn't an invitation. It's a covenant. Let's go to 2 Peter 1. This letter is from, says Simeon here. Simeon Peter, a loving servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ. I'm writing to those who have been given a faith as equally precious as ours. This is the apostle speaking. You've been given a faith equally as precious as ours through the righteousness of God, our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. May grace and perfect peace cascade over you as you live in such rich knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Everything we could ever need for life and godliness has already been what? Deposited in us by his divine power. How many of you ever heard a prophetic word around here? You have everything you already need. Why? Because it's already in you. And prophetic words just water the God seed that's already in you and calls forth. That's what a foretelling word is. Foretelling is when you predict the future. Foretelling is I'm pulling this out of you. I'm identifying what's already in you to bring it to the surface. That's why when you get a word that's on, something inside of you begins to move. Mike taught us years ago about the tuning forks. He said, if you go in one corner with the tuning fork and you go to the opposite corner of the room and you strike one over here, the other one will start vibrating. Why? It's the law of resonance. When a prophetic word toward you, John, comes toward you and it does something in here, that means that thing's already been deposited in you. And the only time it hurts is when this flesh gets in the way between the announcement and the fulfillment of that thing coming to maturity in you. We were Brad Custer's last night. His church was in another city called The Place. They had a $400,000 miracle. You've all heard the testimony a million times from back in the gym here. Apostle gave him a word about a $400,000 miracle. They get a Walmart building for four hundred grand. Long story short, I mean, how could you even turn a small congregation to that huge thing? Planet Fitness comes in, says, we'll buy the thing, pays it completely off. They got this huge building for debt free because God orchestrated the entire thing. They initially took a loan for four hundred grand. Planet Fitness bought it out, and they made money on the deal. Praise Jesus. I think you're in the right physical location. Amen. But last night, an announcement was made. See, Brad, years ago, when I first met him, they had this 120 initiative. And I'm not going to get into details, but literally he was branded with this identity of something called the place and this promise of 120. In Kentucky, they found it as 120 counties, and God was going to move through 120. And they're like, oh, that's our, you know, Dutch Sheets prophesied over Kentucky about 120. And they had all these connections made up. But you know what it was last night was? It was a reminder to Brad Custer, our beloved brother in the Lord. God has made a covenant promise with you. And though you may have changed the name and he called it, and I'm totally cool with that, being called Hope Church, he was identifying the place because he wanted to identify, Brad, this has been in you the entire time. 
and it hasn't left because the name of the church is different and those people aren't around there, the people that supported you, that left you and dishonored you, they're not around. But guess what? I'm still faithful to what I promised you, so I'm going to perform it. So I'm going to take the night and I'm going to bring some brothers from Ohio and around the country and we're going to remind you of who you really are. So much so, pastor, our pastor took the book of Genesis and handed it off, took it off the shelf and said, the Lord's telling you to take it off off the shelf and I'm handing the original back to what, what, what's the language they use, Mike? Back to the beginning of the Genesis, the, the original intent. And we didn't know, and Brad got up there and testified and said, listen, you have no idea, but I've been writing for months out of the book of Genesis. I go to the coffee shop with my laptop and just write out of the book of Genesis. So what was the point? God was reminding Brad last night of promise that he made. And Brad probably had every right not to believe because he thought, well, maybe that was because so-and-so was here and this person was there and we're not in the building. I'm sure he questioned things along the way, right? But last night, I believe he, he got remarked again and some of those promises came back to the surface. Amen? Verse 3. Everything we could ever need for life and godliness has already been deposited in us by his divine power. For all this was lavished upon us through the rich experience of what? Knowing him. But if I don't feel it, I'm not really feeling it. It doesn't matter. You're showing up for the wall. Guess what? You're learning him. Which he has called us by name and invited us to come to him through a glorious manifestation of his goodness. As we result of this, he has given you magnificent promises that are beyond all price so that through the power of these tremendous promises, you can experience partnership with what? The divine nature. I call these covenant promises, BB. You know what this word is different than the Hebrews 4 word? Hebrews 4 is a summons and an invitation. You know what this word promises? It says, this is out of the, the commentary, out of Strong's when I looked up. It's word 1862. Focuses on the results of God's promise. Can be voluntarily or spontaneously made. You know what I call this? A guaranteed outcome. When he promised to Jacob, he didn't say, if you do this or that, I'm going to do this. He said, I'm going to give you the land I promised your fathers. So could Jacob screw that promise up? Absolutely not. Why? Because God made a covenantal promise. He made one with Abraham. A lot of people say, hey, there's the law of Moses and then there's the eternal covenant with Jesus. Yeah, that's not the only two covenants. Where's the ministry school students at? Raise your hand. <coughs> How many other covenants are there? Who else had a covenant with the Lord? Adam, Abraham, David. Yeah? And you go through these things. Land had a covenant. At the time of Noah, God made a covenant with the land. I'll never destroy you again because sake of man. So everyone waiting for God to destroy the earth again, guess what? He said to Noah, he declared over the land, 
I'll never destroy you again for a man's sake. So guess what? The earth can't be destroyed. So I don't even know what the end time people, they totally missed that one and all the books. He's going to destroy the fire. Maybe it's the baptism of fire. And it's not what you think because he said, because a man's sin, he'll never destroy the earth again. Put that in your pipe and smoke it. All right. Sometimes you seek him, Cookie, and he invites you into something. Other times he just says, you know what? I'm just going to do this for you because I love you. He wrote Solomon a blank check. He didn't say, Solomon, if you do your Jesus calling devotion every day for the next three days, So seed to the next TV preacher. And we do all those things. Those are good. He just came and said, ask me whatever you want, I'll give it to you. He bound himself to a man. He, he had to do it. But he knew Solomon's heart. He could trust him with that big of a deal. The Lord made one of these promises to me. You've heard me testify this. I was crying about how I'm not saved and how sinful I am and how terrible I am to God once I'm literally crying like, Covered the couch was soaked. We had this sectional in our house. Some of you that knew us back then, thing was soaked. And God just spoke up and he says, he calls me by name. I heard him say my name, maybe for the first time. It's like, Michael. Michael, listen to me. Because you set your heart to teach people how to hear my voice, You'll never go without a prophetic word when you need one. And because your wife set her heart to feed the homeless and those in need. Most of you don't know this, but Jen used to have a homeless ministry before we got engaged. She actually quit when she moved up here. Would just set tables up with two other ladies seven days a week, twice on one day, working full time, plus going to church just set up, bake food in their house. They would meet just three ladies. They would set tables up, get a big cooler, and then literally 30, 40, 50 homeless dudes, would, people would come up, men and women and kids. And the Lord made a covenant promise to me because she set her heart to feed those that had nothing. You'll never, ever go without and be in need. He didn't say, if you do this, and do this. There's no conditions to it, BB. He just said, this, I'm making a covenant with you right now. People struggle with that word, but it's a covenant promise. Said so you'll never have to worry about money and you'll never go without encouragement. You'll never go without. So there's moments where I thought I really needed a word, Brandon, and I went to a meeting and I'm like, how come I didn't get a word? And the Lord popped in my spirit right then. He's like, did I not promise you that if you needed one, you, you would never go without? So guess what, Mike? I guess you didn't need one, did you? And there's moments where I sat here in the men's meeting and, and none of you realized how broken and insecure I was. And our father, our pastor, looks at me. Do you remember those days? Some of them were a year ago. And he would call me out. And one time he called me and said I was like the prophet Elijah. And in my heart, you know what I said? But I don't believe that, Lord. That was my response. 
That was my response, Armin. How many of you ever struggled with the word that was spoken over you? It wasn't because I didn't believe pastor was hearing God. It's because I didn't believe in me. I didn't believe in me. And I'm like, Lord, I know this is wrong, but this is how I feel. I'm sorry, but there's unbelief, and I don't know where it came from. I'll just ask you to take it out of my heart. But I've heard this kind of stuff my whole life, and I'm looking where I'm at. I don't know if I believe it anymore. And I know it's not right, so I need you to take this. How many of you went through something and you said, I blew it? He can't fix this. How many of you know what I'm talking about? I blew it. Look at my family. Look at what I did again. And what do you do? <laughs> Some of you went through it this last year. You know what he did? I watched your life. I watched your life, Brandon. <sighs> I watched your life, Adam, years ago. <sighs> you know what he did? He took Russell Hilton. He said, you're free from it. And I'm going to give you what you're looking for. And now you got a beautiful wife, amazing in-laws, and two glorious babies. He was faithful. Because I was there at the time where we began to pray into your legacy. And one person literally cursed it. Literally cursed it. Remember that? Guess what? Oh, you're not cursed. You're double blessed. What you went through this year to see you with these kids, leading with these kids, you probably thought you blew it all, didn't you? I did it again, whatever, whatever it is. It doesn't matter what it is. You get, how many of you raised your hands for that? Let's just be real. But he's like, no, I made a promise to Bibi. I made a promise to Brandon. Come on, even when you act a fool, it doesn't cut it short. It doesn't make acting a fool right. What it says was, there's a way to respond. David acted like a fool. But you know what his response was? The Lord gave him three options one time. Listen, I can have an angel come kill all these people and you just got to watch. I may pick that one. I'm a little selfish. I mean, I'll, I'll get out okay. Lord, forgive me. The old me would have said that. The old me, maybe not the new one. He said, or you could do this, or you could, or you could go deal directly to the hands of the Lord. And David's like, I know he's full of mercy. So instead of watching 180,000 people get slayed because of what I did, I'm going to go face to face because I know as bad as it gets, he's a God of mercy, and I'm going to receive mercy. And guess what? He was right. And every time David screwed up, you know what the difference was? He remembered the promise. In Isaiah 55, he remembers the word that was prophesied by the prophet Isaiah that calls him out by name. To my servant David, I shall make an everlasting covenant with you and your sons, you shall have a descendant on the throne of Israel forever. And even when they screw it up, David, even when they blow it up, I'll chastise them, but I'll never remove my covenant of peace from them. So you mean it's not just you, Brandon? It could be Talani and Toby through your covenant with God because you learned I screwed up, but I found mercy in his eyes that my kids 
can have a covenant peace with God just because of what I did? Is it not in the scripture? Do you see how important being marked is? Do you see how important seeking his face? Seeking his face, hope. No matter what we do to think we don't add up, that he comes in. You just keep going time after time. You just keep showing up for the walk, Mike, and you're experiencing. And the words you're getting, what you're praying, coming to pass during the messages, the weight on your words. I've never felt an ounce of the weight of your words like I have this last few weeks. And you know it, but even if you didn't, he's marking you. He's marked you, and he'll mark you again. You're a marked man, Michael and Dennis. You're a marked man. Warren, you're a marked man. When I see you come in here, and you're fanning the flame literally with your hands, and I see tears running out, you come right in, and I'm like, my God. And it makes me hungry for Jesus. You're a marked man, Warren. Something, Zach, you can't screw up. You can ignore an invitation, but but you can't run from a covenant promise that will chase you down. And you can't give up a covenant promise. Abraham tried. Tried to give it to Lot. The promise was, look to the north, south, east, west. I'm giving this land to you. Okay, him and Lot have disagreements. He's like, Lot, you know, just go your own way. You pick whatever side you want, bro. I'm good. I'll take the best part in Sodom. Good luck with that. Soon as he lets Lot go, he literally turns around and the angel of the Lord appeared to him. How I many you know what I'm talking about? The story. The angel of the Lord literally appears to him and says, What? He repeated the covenant promise. He didn't rebuke Abraham for giving it away. He reminds Abraham of what he already promised. He shows up, he turns around, the angel of the Lord shows up, Abraham responds. And the angel of the Lord says to Abraham, Abraham, look to the north, south, east, and west. This is everything I'm giving you. What do you mean, Lord? I just gave half of it to Lot. Abraham, I don't think you're hearing me. North, south, east, and west, I'm giving to you. And if you really listen, Abraham, Lot's name wasn't mentioned. No offense, Lot. Sorry, buddy. You should have stuck with the dude that had the promise. He tried to give it away, Brandon, and he couldn't give it away because it wasn't conditional. Why? Because earlier in his life, he took up an offering, Mike, at an altar, and he got a promise, and he decided I'm going to show up to the same place where I gave an offering before. This time it was different. The Lord came, clouded in darkness, and Abraham went through a dark night of the soul where he literally splits the altar to sacrifice in two, right? And he shows up, and fear and dread came over Abraham. This time it was different. And the Lord announces his covenant promise again. 
He says, as the stars are in the sky, the sands of the sea, so shall your descendants be. What place did Abraham have to do with? What condition did he have to fulfill to receive that? If you're you're thinking he didn't, you're right. He was a marked man because he came to the altar. I said, I'm laying my life down here. And God said, okay, this is a man, Mike Clendenin, who shows up at one o'clock today when the kids aren't here and home yet. Mike Clendenin still showed up for the walk. That's a man that God likes to mark. Why? How do I know? Because Justin, the Bible says, the seven eyes of the Lord, which we know the seven spirits of God, go roam throughout the earth, seeking if any man has wisdom, seeing if anyone is seeking after his own heart, is seeking him, seeking him, is wisdom in Scripture. And the seven spirits of God are looking. Another scripture mentions it, and it says, looking for who he can show himself strong on their behalf of. You know what else happens when we get these encounters, Mike? We begin to see things, experience things, and sometimes he just unveils himself. And you know what happens? Another Bill Johnsonism. Every encounter with God is a testimony of his nature. What does that mean? I had an $80,000 hospital bill come in the mail that just disappeared with one stroke of a pen. So whenever I get stressed with finances, that little memory comes back to mind. And I'm like, huh, if God can handle an $80,000 hospital bill and delete it in a moment... What could he do about this payment? Every testimony, every encounter unveils another part of his nature. Kids, do you hear me? When you come up here, nothing is wasted. Nothing is wasted. Armin and Sarah get an eviction notice. I prophesied, Pop has no idea. He comes and prophesies right after me on the microphone. Literally, they get you're, you're getting out because you're getting your own house. You're getting pushed out of the nest. Don't, don't be mad at them. Don't hate them. This is a circumstance for you to inherit the land. And she got an inheritance to help set you up to get the house. You should never question whether or not you'll be provided for again. You should work on them because it's fun. Do you hear me? Let's go to 2 Peter 1.16. Are you track with me? I know this isn't the blow-up exciting thing we normally do, but if you really hear what I'm saying, I'm giving you hope in the room that God has marked you and there's nothing you could do about it. Some of you try to depress your way out of blessings. You just can't. You're making it miserable on yourself. You don't have to be depressed, but you're choosing it. You're choosing to be depressed when he's marked you. Did he not give you a word or did he not? You know, Sam has a choice sometimes. He could come happily or he could come kicking and screaming. But something's going to happen when he comes kicking and screaming that he doesn't like very much. It's his choice. He's still coming. 
The only choice he has is he's going to do it in joy or he's going to do it in terror. He has the choice. But guess what? He's still going. And maybe the whole movements of the American church to think God's this angry guy is just because they're going kicking and screaming instead of with joy. And maybe they wouldn't see God so angry if they just went along with his plan the entire time. Because they'd celebrate in joy. That'll preach. All right, verse 16. This is Peter to the church. We were not retelling some masterfully created legend when we informed you of the power and appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ. For we saw his magnificence and splendor unveiled before our very eyes. Yes, Father God lavished upon him radiant glory and honor when his distinct voice spoke out of the realm of majestic glory, endorsing him, endorsing him with these words, this is my cherished son, marked by my love, all my delight is found in him. And we ourselves heard that voice. Hear what I'm saying. Do you realize what Peter's doing? He's living off a testimony of an encounter he had with Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration. And he's telling the church, he's reminding them, I have absolutely not an ounce of doubt because not only did I hear, because Peter was at the baptism too with John. Then he goes to the Mount of Transfiguration and the Lord says the same thing. An audible voice came down. It repeats the thing. Why? Maybe Jesus needed to hear it. No, maybe Peter needed to hear it because he heard it the first time and maybe he didn't quite get it. So out of God's mercy, he repeats the phrase, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. But he adds a little clincher in there. Listen to him. Why? Because Jesus told him, I'm going to the cross, guys. I'm going to disappear. You won't see me, then he will see me, then he won't see me. They're like, make up your mind, Jesus. What do you mean? He had no clue. So when he did do what he said he's going to do, they went back to the old life. They tried to. Then he shows up there. Knucklehead still didn't get it. And we ourselves heard that voice resound from heaven while we were with him on that holy mountain. And so we have been given the prophetic word Who's been given a prophetic word in this house? Raise your hand. Stand to your feet. Let's read this together. The written message of the prophets made more reliable. What? But the scripture, brother, is the epitome of all things. You know what Jesus said about the scriptures? In them, you think you find life, but they all testify and point to who? Me but you refuse to come to me. And I love the scriptures. But what is Peter saying here? The written message of the prophets, someone say Old Testament, made more reliable and fully validated by the confirming voice of God. And the mount, or you could say moment of transfiguration. And the moment where you got Mark Beebe and you felt the inside of you change, the scriptures weren't just scriptures anymore. They were validated and they came alive. Arvin, when you're coming down here, 
we feel angels in a room. And I'm like, there's a sound. God's going to give you feelings for a sound. I had no idea what you and Pastor talked about. Why? It's the word of the multicolored, multifaceted wisdom of God being validated where people say, that's cool. I'm like, no, I know a man. I know a man. And he's starting to live the multicolored wisdom of God. How can you make the scriptures more valid? I don't know. Peter just said it. And he wrote an awful lot of them. Validated by the confirming voice of God on the mount in the moment of transfiguration. In the moment of transformation, you were marked. And you will continue to do well if you stay focused on what you heard. How many of you have a word? You will continue to do good, hope, when you stay focused on the word of God. That means anything contrary to your name is illegal and cannot, it's forbidden to be entertained. But I just, it doesn't matter. It's not who you are. It's not just a name, it's a word of the Lord. And if you believe that, you'll never wrestle with that again. And you'll continue to do well if you stay focused on it. On what? The audible voice, the word that he gave you, he gave you at the moment of transformation. How many of you got a prophetic word and you know it changed you? Private or public? Raise your hand. You are marked. For this prophetic message, listen, he's talking about his his encounter. I'm talking about your encounter. This prophetic message is like a piercing light. Verse 20. Shining in a gloomy place. Listen. Until the dawning of a new day. Well, I don't feel it today. Well, guess what? Your name is Hope. Yeah, but I feel I feel mad. It doesn't matter. Your name's Hope. And this prophetic message of your name being Hope shines like a light through a gloomy place of depression. Until when? Until the dawning of the new day, when the bright morning star rises in your heart. Until you finally surrender and say, I am Hope, and there's no question at all. Guess what? That prophetic word is piercing you through all the gloom, and it feeds you. And Peter's saying, you can't take this gospel from me. I was on the mountain when I saw what looked like a man come in complete glory, and I heard a voice, and I don't know where it came from, but it was the voice of Almighty Father, and Almighty Father spoke and validated what we first heard in the beginning. See, sometimes, Mike, you get a word in the beginning, and sometimes the Father just comes like Abraham and repeats what you heard the first time. Cookie, in case you forgot, this was my covenant promise to you. And that word That prophetic message is a piercing light through all the unbelief and all the darkness. Until when? The dawning of the new day and the morning star rises in your hearts. You know what this means, church? The new day isn't on a calendar. The new day is actually when you're convinced of who you said you are. 
Do you got a word for stadiums? Even when it rubs people the wrong way? And you hear messages, we're not called the stadiums. Do you still believe you're called the stadiums? Yeah, you better. Because that prophetic message is piercing through your light. We're not there yet, but there's a, there's a stadium called Rocket Stadium that we have a prophetic word. We have a prophetic word. God showed us. We have a right as the citizen of heaven to be in this city. Why? Because I was in a prayer room in Adam Kale's before anyone fancied Streetsboro came and said, I don't know, guys, I had a dream. We were talking about buying the school. He said, no, I had a dream that we're moving to Streetsboro. And I was in a room that same morning when pastor said, you know what? We used to dream about that all the time. I used to go pray to the Walmart building. The next thing you know, soon after, Apostle came and said, I'm sending you to the home of the Rockets. He had no idea what it meant. He had no idea what this tiny school up here was called and the nickname of it. There wasn't Rocket logos all over the city yet. That came after his prophetic word. You know what that means? Everyone in this room, you are attached to some prophetic, serious, prophetic words. These words mark you. I have words written out because Dominique loved me so much that even when I didn't think of doing it myself, she took Apostle's word over me, transcribed it, and put it in a frame and gave it to me. You know who else does this? Heaven. Heaven takes a snapshot of your life that's a fulfillment of prophecy. And she takes it and she puts it on a little painting thing, wall hanging, like, I don't even know what you call it. The day I was ordained, heaven has it on our wall. We have it on our wall that heaven made it and gave it to us. We have the baby in the hand. Fulfillment of two promises, ordainment and adoption. So when I look up there, I'm reminded of God's faithfulness. And sometimes if I really struggle, I don't even have to read Apostle's word over me. I just look at the picture frame. I just look at the frame, Mike. I just look at the frame. (sighs) Some of you got to hear what I mean when I'm saying that. I don't have to even read the words. I just look at the frame. Sometimes I see Pastor Jimmy and Mama Tina up here. I question everything, and I go back, look at the frame. Every time he calls me a prophet, I'm like, don't do that, please. Don't do that, please. But I'm telling you, I look at the frame. I look at the frame. If you did it with them, you could do it with me. And if you put me with that man, you did it for a reason. Come on, are you tracking with me? I see where he's going. So if you put me with him, I'm going there too. Quit taking yourself out of story. You're a marked man. You're a marked woman. Do you actually believe the promises that he gave you? Listen, maybe you screwed up some invitations, but maybe there was a covenant promise that's still there. 
because when you say no an invitation, you missed a party. It doesn't mean you won't get invited to the next one. It means you'll miss that one. We got to be real about that. You say no, you miss that one. You may get invited to another party, and that's awesome. But you'll never have that experience come around again because that was unique in that time. So there is a cost to not heeding to an invitation. But I'm telling you, there's something deeper, BB. Justin, you hear me? You're a marked man. Caden, you're a marked man. Talani, you're a marked woman. You don't have to wear an evening gown and try to go practice national anthem. Try to be Whitney. You don't have to go look up her discography and all that stuff. You just be Talani and you just seek the face of God. Next thing you know, you'll be doing You know the very first prophetic word I ever got in a church? I wasn't even delivered yet, and I was still a new age, and I showed up in my mom's church, like 15 people there, and this pastor goes on this thing. He calls me out and said, you're a prophet, and your words will be heard across lands and nations. And I was like, oh! Didn't even know what's going on. I don't even know. <laughs> you know what I mean? Not even delivered, full of demons, literally. I told the kids before we started last night, I got a lot of national level words. You know you don't see? You don't see my name in headlines, and I can care less about it because I don't want it. But you know what I do see? Because I honor the seat. I got invited. Because God has made some covenant promise with me. You got to see how this is intertwined. You got to hear what I'm saying. He made some covenant promise with me. You know what's funny? A lot of that's wrapped in invitation. So he's, he sits me with a man. And that man says, come with me to Georgia. Okay. I show up, and next thing you know, they're putting mics in front of my hand to prophesy in Covington, Georgia. I didn't ask to be there. I didn't even want to go, to be honest with you. I have a lot of flesh to overcome sometimes, especially traveling. When I got there, I was like, oh, I was supposed to be here. Thank you. Hey, let's go to, I'm preaching in Florida. You want to come with me in spring break? Yeah, that'd be fun. We'll go to the beach, sure. Found out that wasn't a that wasn't a beach trip. That was meet two prophets in a panhandle, get an eagle ring, get some gold coins, have some crazy stuff happen, get some prophetic words, and then go prophesy over Crestview. What? Last night. Hey, I'm going to Kentucky. Who wants to go? We're in. Okay, cool. Invitation. I could choose to go or not go. I still have covenant promises. Okay, let's go. Last night may have been the most, one of the most reinvigorating lives moments I've had in the last three years. I felt, I was told, Mike, I was literally at one point in the worship service vibrating from head to toe. Literally vibrating. And I was like, what is going on with me? You know what's going on? I was becoming fully alive, and there was a moment of, of transformation. As soon as I walked back to Brad's office, download hit. And then they're like, you're going to have to give this later. And I'm like, dang. And I was thinking today in the drive home, and I'm like, you're faithful. Just because I said yes, said yes to a seat, to a man, to a woman, okay, I'll go with you. I'm inheriting everything that he covenantially promised me, BB. Isn't that something?
I literally, within the last year, got to prophesy over into Georgia. I got to prophesy into Florida. I got to prophesy into Kentucky. None of which I would have ever gone to if I wasn't invited. Do you get what I'm saying? He comes and make, gives you invitations, but he makes covenant with you. But he also makes covenant with Mike Benici and Brandon and Papa and Mama and Heaven and the Yonishes. And then guess what? He literally fulfills, literally fulfills everything he promised together. Everything. I gave a personal word last night who's ministry worship leading for 20 years and said that was the first prophetic word he's ever got. And I was like, are you kidding me? With your anointing? You didn't even get a parking lot prophecy? That's what I was thinking. I didn't say that. So what does he do, BB? He marks, makes a promise to give an invitation to another man. Using me because I said yes to a promise given to another man. And next thing you know, lives get intertwined. Why? Because we had this moment of transfiguration, moment of transformation where he promised us. And because we accepted the invitation to come together as family, I now reap inheritance from this man. I now reap inheritance from them, from heaven. Amanda prophesied over Justin a few weeks ago. I don't think anyone had a hair that didn't stand up. Why? Because our promises are intertwined. Conversations we had at Applebee's, you talk about all that you remind me of. You know what this reminds me of? Peter telling the church in this chapter right here, I saw him with my own eyes. Narman's like, I remember our conversation in Applebee's. Then Armin comes back. I remember our conversation at Applebee's. I remember our conversation at Applebee's. I remember our conversation at Applebee's. You know what it does? It reminds me of who I am, and it reminds me of the covenant he has in his life. And when I keep honoring the sound, I keep getting words for him. And when he keeps honoring the words and reminding me of the words I give him, guess what? I get more words for him. Why? Because our lives are intertwined. So what do we do, Northgate? We have an hour of invitation. Our pastor is challenging us by the word of the Lord to come down here 15 minutes a day. It's an invitation. I see it, BB is two sides of the same coin. One side is an invitation. The other side's guaranteed outcome. It's the same coin. I promised you this, but are you going to say yes to this? I'll still do this because I said I would, but then you'll miss all this stuff of the stuff you say no. So I'm trying to get you double blessed. Do you feel what I'm saying? 
I'm trying to get, I can fulfill that. I don't need anyone else to fulfill that. But I'm trying to see is your life is intertwined with someone else, Warren. And it's so much bigger. It's so much bigger than everything you made it out to be. These moments that mark us, we remind each other. I said this in pre-service prayer. 2009, I'm in Africa. We pull up to a school. Someone's like, you think they'll let us preach here? I don't know. Let's ask. They literally ring the bell, shut the school down, bring every kid outside in this courtyard, and we do this goofy play, and the mission leader's like, who's going to do cast the net? And then he's like, Jen will. She's like, I am? If you know her, she doesn't want the microphone. She doesn't want any of that. And... Here, he forced her to do it. So out of a few hundred students, Jen did a 30-minute salvation call. And from what I remember, it was 124 elementary school kids gave their life to Jesus in one moment. What did she do to earn that? She didn't do anything to earn that. She just showed up for the invitation. We were engaged. We got married a week and a half earlier. Well, either we're going to have a honeymoon that I'm going to have to leave and go to Africa or you're coming with us. Can I come? Yep, she can come. Great. She says yes to the invitation. Guess what happens? She has 124 souls accounted to her account in heaven from one moment that she didn't earn, she didn't deserve, but she inherited because he's good. Northgate, we can choose, like my son, to come with joy or we can choose kicking and screaming. But if it's a covenant promise, you're going to come either way. But what you're really dreaming of is intertwined. Because it's intertwined, listen, BB was given custody of youth group for two weeks. I'm next door. My job is to come bring the adults over. Guess what I do? I walk into an atmosphere lit because of this man. And the kids, he's like, you got something? Like, let's go. I had a good old time. Why? Because I inherited something I didn't earn. I received an invitation. Do you get what I'm saying? Do you have any idea of the people in this room? And I know I've been trying to close for a while. Do you have any idea the encounters this man right here has had? More than what I've had. Y'all call me prophet. He's, he's had more angelic encounters than I had, like face-to-face, four-hour encounters. He won't talk about it, though. Do you have any idea of what I heard for that man right there? Me, him, and Mike were here alone. And it wasn't that glorious of a meeting. We're just praying. And literally, I felt the Lord tell me that creation would be reminded of its birthing of uh, when it was of the moment of creation when all everything was singing around when you read in scriptures would be reminded of its conception through that man's sound. And you could see Armin is like a great musician who's nice and plays keyboard and smiles a lot. Or you could see that man is ushering something in or just starting to usher in something. 
that angels are going to desire to look into. And I know they are, because every time him and I are down here, we, we discern angels, and it becomes fun. I literally tried to high-five him one time. I don't think it worked, but I tried. I saw one behind him, and I was like, that really happened. I'm not going to say it worked. I'm just saying, sometimes I get playful, and I think God's cool with it. Let's pray. Let's pray. Just pray in the spirit. Father, I have one prayer tonight. I thought we were going to get back with the band. I don't feel the need to do that. I feel like you just need to believe who you really are and what God said about you. Mm. Now, there's a time where you're going to be a voice. I've told you since the beginning. There's a time you're going to be a voice. You're not just going to, it's not just singing. You're going to make decrees and pray in microphone that's going to cause demons to tear, be afraid. And you're never even going to identify them. You're not going to dress them. You're not going to call them out. You're just going to declare the goodness of God over land. And they're going to quiver and say, our time's up. Did you see who just prayed on the microphone? Is Wyndham just a pipe dream, Justin, or is it a word? Is it just something cute, or is it a, a means of redemption from heaven? Taking your story, he's going to redeem a town that, listen, I struggle with praying for it to get redeemed, to be honest with you. That's my own religion. Like, Wyndham, what's the save there? There's a lot. There's a lot to be saved. My own mom lives in that town. So Lord, forgive me of the attitude I've had toward that city when you've caught a son of this house. And that's not going to be the limit to your story. That's just one dot that leads to another. So never think I'm going to be stuck there because i got a calling there. No, it's just a dot to a dot. I'm just trying to get you, Northgate, to believe who you really are. And these kids, I told them, did I cut pre-service prayer short for a little bit tonight? And I said, I want you to realize something. There was five states in that room last night, and I turned around, and the man with the camera came after and saw something different about a crowd over here. And that's not against anyone else. I'm not saying we made it happen. I'm just saying he's like, I got to capture this because kids need to see other kids going after Jesus. And you guys are making history. Why? Because you're showing up for the walk. And if it hasn't happened yet, and I believe you guys have been marked, Chloe, you've been marked, Talani, you've been marked, Kaden, you've been marked. I'm telling you, if you have been marked, you're going to get marked. I saw Nate get marked. We're praying for people and throwing its lead on him. He went down by himself. Don't have to lay hands. He just went on his face. Like, he's getting marked. You may not hear a promise. It doesn't matter. His presence is coming for you. And Cameron, the tenderness that you've had for two or three years, I have the few, probably longer than that now. My gosh, COVID's three years. Four or five, four years? It's proof that you're marked. You know why? Because the tenderness never went away. So you never have to look at anyone else in the youth and go, well, how come I'm not like this or I'm not like that? No, you've been tender for four years. Since I've known you, you've been tender. You know what that means? It means you've been marked. And you're never going to chase God off. You're not going to chase him off. You're not going to chase him off. Do you believe who you are, Zach? It's easy in this moment. But don't question who you are tomorrow. 
Every time David screwed up, he went right back to him. Can he not redeem Adam? Can he not redeem Brandon? Justin, we all have stories in here. We all have stories. We all have stories in here. Let's just pray for one moment. Come on. Come on, keep praying. I love Malachi. Every time I see baby Malachi, I yell at him. I look at him. I go, Malachi chapter three. And he probably, Warren probably thinks I'm crazy. He just smiles because he loves me. Just like, why does he always do that to my son? I'll tell you why. Because in the book of Malachi three, people were talking about the Lord and it moved God's heart so much. Something called the book of remembrance was from that point on established and pretty much said, anyone that talks good on me, it's going to be listed in this book. And I promise, I promise, BB, I'm going to make him a crown jewel. You know what that means? Once you talk good on the Lord, he puts you in that book of remembrance. And guess what? You're guaranteed to become a crown jewel. They didn't fast. They didn't fill up a stadium. They just talked about the Lord in a good way. God, man, he's so good, isn't he? And he's like, man, I like that. I like that. You know what? We're going to have a special place. We're going to have a special place. Is it not in the scripture? So every time I see your son mourn, I'm reminded of a time of my life where I sat with three, three of us sat in a room on Streeter Road, right near where you guys lived. I sat in the Streeter Road, and it would get so thick in the room. We would show up, and we would eat. Maybe there'd be five or six of us sometimes. We'd eat, and our thing was we're going to eat, feast, and we're going to pray. And we would be talking about the Lord, getting green beans and asparagus ready. And next thing you know, he would just peer in. And we didn't have to pray. We didn't have to do anything. He came in the room so thick, it literally would get foggy in the room. And I was marked in those days. I'm telling you, baby, I was marked. He literally eating salad, talking about Jesus. He literally just showed up. He wasn't going to wait for us to turn Rick Pino on. We would have, trust me. He wasn't going to wait for us to get our mind clear. He just showed up and eating salad with friends, talking about how awesome he was and how glorious it was. That's why we need each other. When you get together with two or three people and you just remind yourself how good he is, you not only get encouraged, but he peers in and goes, dude, I want to be in the middle of this conversation. You know what it is? I think it's Holy Ghost. Love, loving, love, loving, love. He's like, now you're in the circle, boys. I didn't know what it was called then. I didn't know periclea. I didn't know any of the stuff. I didn't know any of the Greek words. All I know is he changed my life and I loved him. And when I would show up with friends and we begin to talk, guess what he would do? He would come in every single time. So Northgate, thank you to everyone who's shown up to the walk. To those of you that haven't showed up to walk, why aren't you? Do you have any idea what you're missing? Armin shows up early. And we're walking. And I'm trying not to prophesy over him because we're just praying. And I don't want to interrupt his encounter. But every time I walk by him, I'm like, man. Every time I walk by, I'm seeing swirls of color. Swirls of color. I'm discerning angels in a room. And I'm like, I can't take it. I can't take it. Don't prophesy. Don't prophesy. I can't take it. I can't take it. 
Jason McDowell comes up. I'm like, oh, I can't take it. Now there's more fire in the room. Shut up, come on down. Don't interrupt him. Don't interrupt him. Don't interrupt him. You're going to find the sound. Tones that will bring healing to body. Healing to minds. And you're going to think these things are going to go. And you're going to feel it as soon as you hear this tone. Tweak it this way. Tweak it that way. And it's going to, I had no idea. Pastor sent him on a bark in a project to do instrumental music to release on Spotify. No idea. No idea. And if I'm not mistaken, it was either before or after that. I saw you and I'm like, oh, the blood qualifies you, Armin. That's why I was really trying to hold back. And I walked by. Only the blood qualifies you, Armin. And I walk past him again. Only the blood qualifies. I'm like, don't interrupt him. Don't interrupt him. Praying and believe everything he's ever told you. Even if it came from a shady source. I was in a prayer meeting, probably 2008 or nine, And the guy that was on pain meds that people said smoke pot all the time came when this missionary named Chris Akuma came in the room. And I could tell you if there's anyone I thought fake tongues was this man. He was Italian and he'd do the Italian thing. He'd be, and put Joey Buttafuoco in the middle there probably because he was so Italian. So I'm not kidding. Kiss his like gold chain cross thing. And I was like, if anyone's faking, this dude's freaking faking it. This is my own thoughts. We're praying in there. Missionary from Kenya that my family's known for 30 years comes over and says, at the end of the thing, the leader of the prayer group would always give moments to testify. And he said, raise his hand. He said, that man over there thought he was talking about me. He was like, what's up? Was speaking in tongues in my tribal language. He's like, you see, in Africa, English is our school language and business language. Swahili is the regional language, but we have our own tribal language. He spoke to me in my tribal language and told me everything's going to be okay. I got this. What we didn't know is Muslims came in and murdered some of his pastors. He didn't even burn some of the churches that he was over. He's an apostle, really. We didn't call him that, but... And this man and his tongue and his wife who had a different travel tongue prophesied. The guy I thought was faking it, making it up the whole time, being hyper-spiritual. is literally the guy that prophesied hope and confirmed covenant promise to a man that's been in the mission work his entire life who doesn't even know how old he was because he was found on a garbage dump. He has no idea when his birthday was. And guess what? He grows up and gets kids off garbage dumps. Now they're teachers and doing all kinds of cool stuff. I think that's kingdom. Northgate, I know I've kind of rambled on. Do you believe who you really are? Stop taking yourself out of the story. Stop taking yourself out of the story. There's an invitation. I don't know how long it's going to be. But often I found the invitation leads to the covenant. You show up for the walk, and next thing you know, he's like, ask anything, I'll give it to you. You don't do it for the covenant promise. You just show up for the walk because you love them. And next thing you know, you realize all of our lives are intertwined together and it keeps getting more glorious. I'm literally seeing prophetic words being fulfilled without effort. I believe if I would have said no to following him, I still would have had some stuff fulfilled in the earth because God gave me some covenantal promises. 
But I believe because I said yes to that. You know why? You know why I believe this? I actually had prophetic words at Bethel. I had three separate words. I was praying for direction. Do I leave? Do I follow Jimmy Lovejoy? I just met him. Do I go pursue the glory barn? Because I had a spiritual father that said, those things are nice, but your ministry is the glory barn. You need to stay there. But it wasn't, I wasn't sitting, man. And I'm praying about it. Three different occasions. The Bethel prophetic team said different things. You're praying for direction. And I see three doors in front of you. What? The glory barn, Bethel, love joys. And the Lord says, pick whatever you want you want, and he's going to be with you and bless you and anyone you want. Three times, I think I got that word from different people. You know what I said every time? Lord, send me to the most fruitful and the most effective. So I have no doubt, one friend we're in got ordained by Bill Johnson this last year. That means my, I could have been right up after him. That, that may have happened, may not have, I don't know. But I had a choice and I said, Lord, give me the most fruitful and the most effective. And you know what the next prophetic word that I remember from Bethel prophetic team was? I just hear the Lord say, go west, young man, go west. I was like, you had no idea what that meant. She's like, what? I'm like, it's a long story, but I know where I'm going now. You can't make this stuff up. I think I would have been blessed over there. But you know what I think? It wouldn't have been the most effective and most fruitful. So I said, God, you show me what's the most effective, most fruitful. I said, follow that man. I had covenant promises, guys. He had to make me have some kind of thing that affect the nation at some point because he said it too many times for too many different people that didn't know each other. Do you get what I'm saying? Something would happen somewhere along the lines. But the most fruitful, most effective would come because I said yes to an invitation to follow the man. You all said the same yes there. Now, I'm just telling you, don't take yourself out of the story. Show up for the walk. Stay on your feet. I know I already did this, and I'm grumbling out, but I'm, I'm getting these little nuggets I think is going to help you. This may not be a message to knock you off your feet, but it's, it, should, it should squeeze some insecurity out of your soul. You've all said yes to some degree here. Maybe we need to make that a, a bigger yes. But what you need to do is hear what that man's saying now. Show up for the walk. You show up for the walk. You might be like Talani, sinking prophetically in a couple of weeks. Who knows what's going to happen? You might be like Mike Clendenin, who prophesied over some of you parents about the fertile circle. Seen angels digging up ditches around. Had no idea. That's in the Bible. That's a parable. That means it's not over for some of your kids. Even when you probably wanted to give up, it's not over. Why? Because he's digging a ditch and he's fertilizing the soil. He's going, oh, give him another year. Give him another year. Just lift your hands. Father, we thank you tonight. That in the midst of our worst place, you remain faithful. I believe tonight in the moments, I believe this message, Lord, I'll say it like this, was about recognizing 
your word and promise in moments of transformation. And we all know what those moments are for us. And we've had those moments. And Northgate, I believe in Kentucky last night was another moment of transformation for us. My yes has never been bigger. My yes has never been bigger. If all I am is a father Nash to help other people and pray them and prophesy them into what they are, so be it. If that's all this house is for, and I know it's not, so be it. Whatever it is, Lord, send us the most effective and most fruitful invitation, which I believe is already right here where you see us. So, Father, we give thanks tonight, and I pray you open our the eyes of our heart tonight to really see how marked we really are. And, Lord, I pray that you mark us again. If anyone in this room is not marked, I pray they would have that encounter. God, like Peter, they would testify, I have this encounter because I've seen his face and I heard the voice in that moment of transformation that literally validated the scriptures and made them so alive to me. You, I don't care what you say, can never take that away from me. I'm a marked man. Thank you for listening to this message from the Northgate. If you would like to donate to this ministry, please go to www.thenorthgateoh.com and click on the link at the bottom of the homepage.